We're the Nada Grande Boys. I'm Rodney Wood. And I'm Kyle Jackson. Welcome to the Nada Grande Outdoors podcast where we hunt it forward. Let's try this again, Kyle. <laughs> it is now 11.05 in the p.m. <laughs> at 10,000 feet. And the air... The air is just right for drinking. <laughs> we, Unfortunately, we can't crack a top again because yeah, we can't already crack did the top. Because whatever, Rodney messed that up. <laughs> I had a hole in my lip. Yeah, well, that's what happens. Yeah, it'll work. Oh. It'll work. We are, as Kyle said, ten thousand. I think ten thousand three hundred feet, something, something like, like that. that. We're pretty. Yeah, we're pretty high up here in high country. In the high country. Been a beautiful weekend. It has been. Uh, We've been getting happy. Lots of rain. Late. Whenever this airs, happy late Independence Day. Yes. Yes. Um, in the greatest nation on earth. Absolutely. Uh, we didn't get to partake in any fireworks, but we definitely cooked some hot dogs. Yep. And uh, did some camping. Did one of our favorite pastimes. Absolutely. So we're here at... Uh, that's how we freed them. That, that's ex- absolutely that's how we freed them. We do what we want. <laughs> when we want. Even on 4th of July. Rona be damned. Yep. <laughs> that's right. Uh, so today we're going to... We did a podcast. We did a um, podcast. Almost... A year and a half ago. Yeah, it's been it's been a while back. So Never got you, released. Me and you were on a we ran uh, a quick trip to Cortez, mm-hmm. and we were coming back, um, and we was driving through the forest and and just kind of taking the scenic route, looking at the country, and we did a podcast about what we. We were just looking around at we were driving, and one of the things that caught our eye is um, just swaths of dead yeah, the conifers. Con- condition of the forest, you yeah. know, be it private, public, whatever. Um, and so much dead out there. And, and so we did a podcast while we were driving down the road talking about that, about forest management. It's- before we and got all the fancy gear. Before we got all the fancy gear, We were gear, still yeah, recording we, on our... We we set the phone on the, the phone, console right? between us. Yeah. And we were in your roll rickety dodge. It it's was, not rickety. The, the sound quality of the podcast <laughs> was not worthy to, to release. That's why it was never released. We'll just, we'll just leave yeah. it at that. So, but we're up here um, in the forest again, and we're camping, and we decided to... To redo that one because we do think it, it's a you know it's a pretty good topic yeah to talk about um, well and actually um, I had to run you know run my wife down from the camp spot back to back to the house tonight and that um, actually we kind of had that conversation um, just real briefly the same conversation that we were having on that drive. Right, you know, she was looking out the window at the at the forest on either side, and it it was that really deep dark timber. And of course, right now um, we've been been getting a little rain, so there's some green underneath. Uh, and she said, "Oh, I just I just love this. It looks so pretty." And I and I said something to the effect of, 
I just look out there and I see fuel. I see right. I see fire. This is mm-hmm. not a healthy forest. No. Um, and and I think most people, especially those who don't know anything about ecology and habitats and things like that, most people would look at the forest as it is. Much of the nation's forest, where it's that dog hair, you know, I'm talking, con- you know, coniferous forests. Um, and especially those, those higher mountain forests where you've got, um, pines and spruce and, and some fur in there. And, and it's what we, what we commonly refer to as dog hair, which means it's super thick. You know, those conifers have, the conifers are actually a fairly invasive species. Um, if you look at, if you look at the mountains and you see, um, the aspen stands, uh, it's kind of generally agreed upon across across the West that the aspen stands are are diminishing uh, due to the influx of the conifers. They kind of come yeah. into the aspen stands and, and outcompete them. But that's what happens if you let it go and you don't have fire in the ecosystem. And yeah. we we in this country have had a hundred years of fire suppression. Yeah, um, you know everybody talks about Smoky Bear, and I know. I know Filson actually just did kind of a campaign and history on Smokey the Bear and how it was an idea. And then the actuals, if you don't know this, this is a little bit of New Mexico history. The actual Smokey the Bear um, came out of New Mexico. There's a wildfire down around the Lincoln National Forest, um, down around Capitan, Mm -hmm. and ripped through. And is one of the... Firefighters, one of the rangers, found an orphan cub up a tree and, uh, you know, um, took it to the local game warden's house, the state game warden's house, and they nursed it. And uh, then basically uh, Smokey the Bear went off to D.C. to the National Zoo to basically be a propaganda mm-hmm. uh, icon for the Forest Service against, you know, fires. Yeah. Um, and and it's, it wasn't a bad idea to begin with, I don't think. Yeah. Well, I, I don't think it was a bad, you know, it, it's always good to be fire safe and fire aware. Yes. Uh, especially here in the West because it gets so dry. But w- it was taken so far. It, yeah, it's, it's a classic overreach yeah. you know um you want to do something to um you know a government or any kind of organization they want to do something to make people aware or you know to to help a situation and and they go too far in that direction and a lot of times i don't know if it's cuz people don't want to admit they're wrong or what but they they're unwilling to say, okay, we went a little too far. Let's back off just a little bit. Yeah. And that's a classic example of, of what happened with that. Um, cool side note. I was going to say my father-in-law, but our, our father-in-law, father-in-law yeah. um, helped bury Smokey the Bear. On the detail uh, that buried Smokey the Bear. When he passed, they moved him back to Capitan, and he's buried there. And our father-in-law helped bury him. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. And if you like Smoky Bear lore, go visit Capitan. That's, Absolutely. That's where it, that's, that's where it all that's is. That's all Smoky Bear right there. That's Smoky so, Bear country. Yep. Um, but getting back to forest health, you know, you look at a lot of these 
high country coniferous forests and you and um the layperson would think well that's where all the animals live but when you actually get out into it and you get out into that dog hair um it's fairly uh devoid of life other than maybe some small you know some squirrels some a little maybe some grouse some yep um rabbits you know small game type of stuff and then of course insects and things like that but as far as big game where you know people think yeah. they see that forest and they think oh there's got to be deer and elk and everything else in there that's so much passing through you can't get through there well uh, so I walked. It's a, it's surprising how elk can get through some of right, that stuff, right? Yeah, I mean, I walked. I walked off the hill today, uh, and you know we're up on top, and and of course this road hasn't been traveled in years. Um, that's obvious, and it's not a it's not a high traffic area. But mm-hmm. up here, it's still fairly open. You can see where there's been some work done to make it fairly open up here. You walk off the side. And there's been nothing. And you go just a ways, and you can tell that there's been probably 100 yards down the hill. Yeah. And you can tell that nothing has been done. And it's like a wall. Yeah. And it is, I mean, there wasn't even really anywhere for me to just go in. I couldn't see anything. I couldn't see 10 yards. Yeah. Uh, It's bad thick. Yeah. Yeah. And so... Historically, they think, and again, take, you know, you have to look at all of this through the lens of what we know as far as what's been recorded in human history, yeah. uh, which is a fairly short period of time of, of you know, us recording things mm-hmm. um, in a very detailed manner. Yep. You know, people, men, men has been recording history in its in his own way for you know millennia, whatever you want to say. Yeah, but you know, the cave paintings, things like that. But the details, the weather, the uh, all that stuff has been just kind of within the last hundred fifty years or so. Um, what what we what they think has has traditionally happened in the past was every 20 to 40 years, you would have a fire come through, a, a, a system. Mm-hmm. And that what that fire does, or would do, would be to uh, burn low and slow and clear out all, all the undergrowth. Um, now, these, this system has gotten to the point, and a lot of these systems, I'm not going to say every one, because there's a lot of work in different areas that has been done. Yeah. But naturally, that fire would clear out that clear out that brush. Um, with a hundred years of fire suppression on a lot of these forests and a lot of these these places, um, that undergrowth hasn't been cleared out, and so it creates what you're talking about that wall. You got a lot of dead um, little stuff that didn't get enough nutrients, didn't get enough sun, so the big stuff kind of has taken over. But you still have um, that little stuff. And that's what creates what we call a ladder fuel. Mm-hmm. And so if you get a fire that starts on the ground and it starts to move, it has a very easy time moving up those ladder fuels, those smaller fuels, and into into the tops, the tops the which gets 
what you you know what we commonly uh, refer to or hear of as a crown fire, and those are very devastating fires. They're very hot. Those are the fires that you get where where it sterilizes the soil. There's, yeah. It's not beneficial at all. Yep. Um, and and it takes years, yep. decades, for that landscape to recover. Yep. And and oftentimes it you know. Again, I want to reiterate that you have to think about it not in man's time, though. At some point, it's going to come, kind of come back in a circle. Yeah. But we, you and I, will say, "Oh, I remember when it was this." Mm-hmm. Um, it may never get back to that in our lifetime. Correct. It may take that long for it to get back to what we knew. Yeah. It, it will. Again, these conifers, they're, they're invasive, and so eventually it will move back to that um, s- somewhat. Uh, but you have to think outside of our timeline. Yeah. And that's why those fires are so devastating. Um, the other interesting thing is, again, you think about the timeline of how, how long things have been recorded. Um, a lot of this country was logged many years ago. Mm-hmm. And so all the old growth timber has been taken out. And what's back come back is the young stuff. And then we did away with all the logging. Yep. And, and not just logging too. Um, another thing that you had a lot of was people. Yep. Um, getting wood cutting permits and coming up and cutting their own firewood. Not even because getting wood per, you know, not, you know, 30 think years 100, ago. Think, think 100 years ago, they yeah. you, no wood cutting permit. They just come in. They just come in and yeah. get wood. But 30 years ago, a, a, a large percentage of the population, that's what they used to heat their homes. Yes. Was, was wood. Uh, they used to heat their homes. They used to cook with. They used exactly. it to do any number of things yeah. with. Yeah. And and you go back into even even further than thirty years ago, and almost everybody did it exactly. But but it's a progression, you know. Thirty years ago, it was still common, right? Um, and today, you know, twenty twenty, not so much. Yeah, you know, everybody's got propane or gas or electric. Um, and the argument that I always, <laughs> and I'm kind of going off on a little squirrel here, but you know, um, you think about heating your home, mm-hmm. and you think about, I, I love wood heat, absolutely. Uh, more than anything else, I love wood heat. But you talk about, you know, people say, well, I don't want to deal with the mess of wood. So um, I, I want to be able to heat my home if the electricity goes out. And what do they do? They get a wood pellet stove. Yeah. Which it's... you have to have electricity exactly. for. <laughs> yeah. But it, that, you know, that's just kind of a side note. But you're right. You know, 30 years ago, that was very that was very prevalent, especially here in New Mexico. Yep. Uh, there are places here in New Mexico where it's still prevalent. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, you know, we've gotten relaxed. We've gotten comfortable. We've figured out new ways to do things. Um, and so you don't have that. You don't have people coming in. And you also don't have the accessibility that people once had. Now, you know, used to you could pretty much cut for, cut wood anywhere yeah. in the forest. Now you've got certain places you can cut wood in the forest. Yep. Certain areas. Yeah, it's very restrictive now. Yeah. It's historical photos. Uh, that That's something I point to a lot. Mm-hmm. So um, you, you, my, my, both our families, you know, have deep roots here in New Mexico. Um, 
both of our families have been here uh, in this state for a long time. And I've got a lot of family photos from a lot of different areas around New Mexico. And you look at a lot of these old photos and the hillsides and the forest is much different than what you see today. Very different. Very, very different. And, and we predominantly have been talking about fires, but another problem that that causes is with your water. Yes. Because if you've got these large standing forests um, that are so thick and so full, they're eating up all that water, yeah. drinking up all that water, yeah. um, which in turn slows your springs or dries them out completely. Or dries them out completely. Um, that, that's another very interesting point. Uh, my family's been in northeast New Mexico for uh, a couple of generations. Mm-hmm. And you talked about historical photos. Mm-hmm. Cimarron, New Mexico, you see old photos. Now, I'm, I also wonder a little bit if some of the some of the photos didn't show everything, but... For the most part, you look at Cimarron, New Mexico in the turn of the century, 1900s, uh, the hills around there had nothing on them. Mm-hmm. Now they're covered in pinyon juniper. And mm-hmm. pinyon juniper is a very invasive, a very invasive two species. They're very aggressive. Um, but um, also in this, in this area, in northeast New Mexico, kind of in... Not so much in the high country, but down in the lower mountains, in the in the foothill mountains, it was a. Uh, if you remember the the uh, the show Bonanza, mm-hmm. you know the ranch is called the Ponderosa, and it was very iconic. It had those big old growth Ponderosa, and mm-hmm. then it looked like kind of a prairie underneath. Mm-hmm. It's what they call a, a, a Ponderosa savanna. Yep, and that's what this traditionally was was a Ponderosa savanna, mm-hmm. and so. Um, but you have big trees fairly far apart. Uh, you look at the, the data and a healthy forest is supposed to have, I think it's 20 to 30 trees per acre. Mm -hmm. A lot of these for a lot of the forests that we have now have, um, like two to three. (laughs) Hundred trees per yeah, acre. I think, and don't quote me here, yeah. or, or maybe you can quote me here. You might know exactly. I, I think that the the term that I've heard is, um, and it's probably more of a firefighting term than just a general term. But uh, one ton of fuel per acre, yeah, is is what is. I don't know if they call it acceptable or max that you'd want. Right. Um, one ton of fuel, the latter fuel and the, and the, had, yeah, energy, I'd have to, I'd have to look that you're, up. I, I can't um, remember. I, I'm pretty sure that's what, that's what, what I've read is, you know, that's kind of a optimal situation right there. One yeah. ton of fuel per, uh, per acre. Yeah. Kind of the same thing. 30 trees. Right. Yeah. You know, and, uh, it's, so you come back to the water thing. You have twenty to thirty trees per acre mm-hmm. versus two to three two to three hundred trees per acre. Um, you free that up. You free that water up. You mm-hmm. start seeing springs running. Yeah, they did a probably fifteen years ago now down on the Canadian, which we're actually not terribly far from where the Canadian, uh, the head of the Canadian is right now. But um, down along the Canadian, they had. 
back in the 60s or 70s, they introduced that uh, that Chinese elm, that tamarisk, mm-hmm. um, in there to, I, ironically, to prevent erosion. Mm-hmm. And it just took over, and especially down, like, around Roswell in the Pecos, that stuff got so thick. What it actually did is it did the opposite of what they wanted it to do. It got so thick that it channelized the stream and made it deeper instead of making it a nice wandering, meandering kind of riparian stream. On the Upper Canadian here, um, between, let's say, uh, Raton and uh, down there around uh, Tucumcari, mm-hmm. they, or conscious, I should say, they did, they sprayed a bunch of that tamarisk. They sprayed it, they sprayed it twice with helicopter. They killed it, they came in, and they mulched it. And uh, there was a, a couple down there that I knew that lived on a ranch, and when they did that, a year after they did that, they had Boyotos Creek that hadn't run in 40 years. That year and every year since then, it has run year-round. Nice. I mean, it's it makes just, a difference. Yeah, it just totally nice. makes a difference. If you, can, if you can get those out of, out of the system. Yep. But here's the problem. Because we've had 100 years where we haven't done anything. Mm-hmm. And so now we can't do it with fire. It has to be done mechanically, which is expensive. Yes. Expensive. Yeah. And because because of the way we, you know, they kind of went away from the logging because the way we've done that is there's not, in in the forest that we have now, there's not a lot of timber that's really useful for what timber is usually used for. It's not big enough. It's not big enough to make it worth their while to come in and get it. Because you just have a bunch of little stuff that's dog hair, like we talked about. Yeah, you get a couple and of two so by fours, and that's it. You can't really pay anybody to come in and mm-hmm. log it. Um, actually, here in northeast New Mexico, they've they've um, they've kind of found some ways around that. You remember when we went to Idaho? There were lo- there were friggin' sawmills everywhere. Everywhere. Then again, they you know they get a lot of rain and they can grow a, a lot of trees. trees. But here, you know. Um, there's a couple of places that they've actually kind of figured out how to, how to log it correctly Yeah. for what we have. Yeah. Um, there's a place in Maxwell that does wood chips. They come in and they grab a bunch of stuff and they take it down and they wood chip it and they put it in bags and, you know, people hauling horses or needing to put wood chips in stalls, stuff like that. I mean, they're making a good business out of it, mm-hmm. providing jobs. There's Western wood, uh, products down in Raton that, uh, is doing similar, but they're making, you know, those post and rail fences. Yeah. Um, or treated treated lumber yep. type stuff. Uh, but that's all stuff that can be made out of small stuff. Yeah. And so they're starting to figure out, you know, how to do that. Another good change is for the longest time it was no fire, no fire, no fire. Mm-hmm. They're finally starting to change their minds on that and you're starting to see a push for prescribed fire they're starting to see a push for okay let's not put this fire out Mm -hmm. let's let it burn let's see how many acres we can kind of get out of it yeah and that's really good yeah i think that it is so down there in my country um 
we had a fire. I want to say it was six or seven years ago, the Little Bear Fire. Yep, I remember uh, that one. And that one was same thing. You know, now it started in a wilderness area, and those they that's what they let it they burn. let it burn. Awesome. Don't mess with it. Um, unfortunately, on that one, and this is the problem. Uh, it's one thing that frustrates the heck out of me. Everybody wants to live in the mountains. Mm-hmm. They all want to have a summer home up in the mountains, mm-hmm. right? And nobody. This is the crux. I work <laughs> in a profession that I have to cut trees. I have to clear right away. Yep. But nobody wants to cut a tree. Yep. They they A lot of them come from Texas, and there's no trees in Texas, and they move up to the mountains. And they just can't stand the thought of cutting a tree. Yeah. So you've got all these houses made of wood in the forest, surrounded by trees, surrounded by fuel. And then you get a fire. And if it gets out of control like this, and this, this is what happened. It started in the wilderness. We're not going to mess with it. It crowned. Mm-hmm. Come over the ridge. Yep. Right down through Alto and Ridoso. Uh, and it burned up home after home after home after home. And the frustrating part is it needed to burn because it was just, there was just so much, but it's not, there's no healthy way for it to burn. No. Uh, that's, um, that's like up here, man. We get a fire up here and it's. Yeah. And it, and it, but it wiped out so many homes and it's hard to combat that. It's hard to, it is. it's hard to find that balance between okay let's not burn down homes but let's clean the forest up yeah you know so that fire i mean it was a devastating fire and i I feel real bad for all the people that lost their homes and stuff like that i don't think there was any lives lost in that fire yeah um so that's a good thing but so many of the people they, they didn't even come back yeah so, and I don't know anything about the insurance bracket, um, but it seems to me you would think that that would be similar or akin to, you know, building a home in a flood zone. There's places where they won't insure your house if you build it in a flood zone. You would think if if you didn't um, if you didn't build a defensible space around your home, they'd say, you know there's, what, we're not going to insure that. Well, what they do is there's certain. So I live in a flood zone. Yeah. So you have to purchase what they call flood insurance, and they have these different flood plains. Yeah. So they have like a 20-year flood plain and a 50-year flood plain and a 100-year flood plain. Um, and depending on what area you, you live in, you know, like this area is only going to flood every, one, every 100 years. So I'm going to imagine that it's something like that. Again, that's speculation. I don't know. Um but I, I do know people that took their insurance money and ran. Yeah. They didn't come back. Uh, you know, and that's not good for the community. It's not good for the people. It's not good for the state, the forest, the state, nothing. Yeah. You know, so. Um, but I also know people that lost everything and didn't have insurance. You know, yeah. there was a lot of people affected by that. But now I'm going to go kind of dark here. If you live in the forest... And you're not thinning the damn trees around your house. I'm not sure how sorry for you I feel. <laughs> I knew you were going to go. There. I, I just, I just, it's it's like building your house right next to the river and then bitching when it floods. Yeah. Uh, come on. Yeah. It, it, 
And that's what we're talking about here is responsible forest management. Yeah. You know, that's we haven't had it in 100 years, and now we're in a position to where, like you said, fire is not really an answer because it's it, everything out there, you know, around Cloudcroft, if that place ever catches, mm. say goodbye to that town. Uh, if, if Rio Dosa ever catches, it, I mean, there's places in Rio Dosa, it's one yeah. way in, one way out. Yeah. So... We've put ourselves in that position, but that but just because we're in that position doesn't mean that we shouldn't try and find a way to figure it out. Yeah. Try and find a way to fix it. Yeah. You know, and one of the best ways to do that is go ahead and get your ass in there and start cutting some trees. Mm-hmm. Or uh, if you're a landowner and, you know, let mm-hmm. somebody cut some trees. Right. There's, there's people around you that love to come get a little bit mm-hmm. of firewood off your place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's for sure. Um, right. Yeah, it's... It's just an interesting dynamic, and I, like I said, I think, I think some of the dialogue is changing with like prescribed fire and things like that. But I'd, I'd like to see it on a, on a kind of a larger scale. I'd like to see, I'd like to see, you know, rather than uh, fire is bad from the U.S. Forest Service, how about this is a healthy forest. This is not. This is not. This is your This brain. is what you want you this to do. This is your brain. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Rather than just the, because it's always, it feels like it's always been just a black and white. Politically speaking. If, if we burn, it's going to yeah. do this. Yeah. It's all going to be black. Well, yeah. yeah, but if you burn correctly, it's, it's going to come back yeah. better than it was. Yeah. And so politically speaking, um, it seems like it's a, a topic that is kind of lost right now. Mm-hmm. There's there's not a lot, you know, right now as far as environment goes. Um, it seems to me that what's been talking about, what gets talked about the most is things like, um, you know, green energy. Mm-hmm. Um, stop the drilling. Stuff like that. And it seems like to me the current situation is, well, let's ignore these forests for right now. You look at places like California that are just burning up. I mean, look what happened in Australia. Yeah. Um, so it's something that probably does need to get some more attention. Um, you know, we, we just spent, or well, it hasn't passed the Senate yet, but there's a... a $9.5 billion bill. That, um, the House, it did pass the Senate. Passed the Senate, but not the House? Yeah. I thought it was opposite. Mm-hmm. Whichever. Yeah. Um, anyway, $9.5 billion to um, make existing buildings handicap accessible. <laughs> well, it's... Yeah. No, it does a lot more than that. It does that. a lot more than that. That's oh, a jab. Oh, that's a, that's oh, a jab. I know. <laughs> Hopefully the... The uh, the fully funding of that will will benefit that, but yeah, but but it, it, what, the point I'm trying to make though is it's just it does seem like kind of a lost uh, cause, and as outdoorsmen, as hunters, campers, um, it's a very important one. Absolutely, uh, because I went. We, we did a podcast not too long ago, me and Dana, about uh, um, us getting into backpacking. And we need to touch up 
we need to have you guys been doing that we have yeah we need have a follow-up because we started doing that and one of the first trips that we took um was into an area that that little little bear fire hit yeah uh and although the hiking part was really cool it was extremely hard to find a place to camp because all of those, you know, you're, all you're, just, you're, yeah, you're right under a whole bunch of widow makers, yeah. you know, and so a lot of that area, although, you know, burn area is typically pretty good for elk hunting, uh, some of it, but it's not good for the forest, you know, that, that what we were in was just a bunch of dead burned trees. Yeah. Uh, a lot of them on the ground and a lot of them still standing, ton of them still standing. Yeah. And those ones that are still standing, you know, get pretty dangerous. Well, so. and generally, you know, we've got some, some fire scars up here. Um, that's, I mean, I think that is a good place. I've seen, I've seen the, uh, you know, the, the, the pictures in the, and the video of where you have a, an active fire in a, in a real thick forest move 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 and then it hits a burn scar and it ultimately i mean it really slows it down and and makes it manageable makes it good to work with Mm -hmm. i think some of those burn scars those old burn scars would be a great place to to practice some you know some of our prescribed fire techniques and things like that because those again it, it would be very helpful in a place like that to go through and and hit it and let it do a ground burn. I can't crown fire. No. Let it do a ground burn. Burn up all that uh, that that low, slow, and you know, not high fire intensity. Let it burn up all that ground fodder, and then you're gonna have you know the plants coming back and all of that. Yeah. That's my personal opinion, but yeah, you know, I don't Again, know. Find something to do with all them dead trees. Burn them. Yeah. Then we're letting you know putting CO two in the air. Right. <laughs> I don't know. It's, I mean, it's, it's, you come back to, you know, what we were talk, talking about at first. I think we've become so arrogant in thinking that we know everything. And in reality, our window of knowledge about the world is pretty limited. It is. It's very small. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I, I don't really want to touch on that I no mean, i don't either i'm just you know bringing it back the whole to the whole uh climate change all of that stuff you know the arrogance in 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 humanity um that we think how much we think we know yeah is baffling um and then also how much we think i'm not going to say that we can't have an effect on the world but this world's going to do its thing yes well and yeah the arrogance to think that we are doing all of this yeah you know as bad as people think think that it is Mm -hmm. it's much better than it was 50 years ago I remember my mom telling me about El Paso and coming in El Paso, and El Paso used to have a bunch of refineries. Mm-hmm. Coming to El Paso, and it's just a friggin' haze sitting over El Paso. Mm-hmm. You don't see that these days. Yeah, yeah. And, and there, you know, and there's talk, and I don't know how true any of this is, but there's talk about, you know, uh, uh, well, I don't know. Yeah, 
I won't get into it. But yeah, we're a lot more cleaner, you know, uh, with our plants and and stuff like that. A lot of regulations that that clean that up. But yeah. um, it, it's a big fear, you know, the rainforest. They've talked about that for years that we're cutting down the rainforest, and that's what produces all our oxygen. And I get that. Um, but you still got to have a healthy forest. Yeah. And, and right now, a lot of our forests are not healthy. They are. They're, they're overgrown. Um, and we talk about multi-use lands all the time, right? They're unusable. A lot of it, like you said, you're not going to hunt in there. Mm -hmm. You can't fish in there. You're not grazing in there. You're not, um, Hiking in there. Hiking in there. So, you know, so when you're, you're not drilling in there, you're not mining in there, you start knocking off all of the things that multi-use land is actually used for, what are you doing with it? Yeah. It, it, it becomes worthless property. And... And so... And, and that's that, not that brings, economically... Well, and it brings you back, brings us back to... My one of my favorite comments is, well, you just you know let nature be nature. Yeah, we we can do that. Guess what? But it we is, are a part of nature. Well, we are, <laughs> but we can do that. But nature swings extremely violently, mm-hmm. and everybody's all about letting nature do its thing until it's burning their house down. Right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, or until their well runs dry. Or, you right. Know. So. That's a big problem. Oh, yeah. You know, it's a big problem. I remember I remember as a kid, we used to go up once a week or so, and we'd take all of our gallon bottles up to the mountains, and then a spring, and then mm-hmm. the spring was a spigot. You just turn it on, you fill up all your bottles. Mm-hmm. And now you can't do that. No. Because there's no water. And. There's a lot of people that say, well, it's because there's all the people that live up there that have wells now. And, yes, that probably has something to do with it. Mm-hmm. All right? But it's also... Because there's a bunch of trees sucking up the water. There's a bunch of trees sucking up the water, you know? Um, and that, and you know, that plays that plays an issue. Alamogordo so, used to have water all over the place. Yeah. And so yeah. here's, you know, kind of talking back to one of the podcasts that we did about, you know, the private land. It's one of the nice things about private land. Mm-hmm. In, on public land, on Forest Service, on BLM, there, and it's designed this way, and I, I think it's good. I think sometimes it takes too long, but it's designed this way because it's multi-use. You have to get input from all your stakeholders. But to get anything done, any habitat projects, any cutting, mm-hmm. any thinning, anything like that done on those lands takes forever yeah. to do. That's the nice thing about these private lands and we have responsible landowners doing it the right way um, emphasize that right they can cut through most of that red tape and just get some good projects on the ground right away yeah and that's going to benefit that's going to benefit them that's going to benefit the state's wildlife your wildlife mm-hmm. that's going to benefit their neighbors downstream yep and it's, it's a you know technically you start looking all the way downstream it's going to benefit Texans because they take a lot of New Mexico water. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just I mean it's just good all the way around. If you just think of it in terms of 
healthy ecosystem. Yeah. Animals all need the basic four components. Mm-hmm. Food, water, shelter, and space. Yep. And it and, and you're exactly right, too. Um, it's something that we talk about a lot, and I don't know if we always articulate it properly. Um, I think sometimes people think that we are pro-private land. Um, or, you know, we're pro this or pro that. What we are is a pro-community. Mm-hmm. We're pro all of the individuals that have a stake in basically our country, you know, um, doing what's right Mm -hmm. for the betterment of our natural resources um, and taking care of it for the next generation because that's what conservation is. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, we're pro-private land. We're also pro-public land. Yes, we are. Well, that's where we hunt. Mm -hmm. You know, very pro-public land. I would love to see more habitat projects going on to mm-hmm. onto the forest. I think it's great that we have organizations that uh, use membership dues to put projects on the ground. Mm-hmm. I think it's awesome that we can do that as private citizens and partner with public entities to do these good things. Mm-hmm. I also think it's great that we have private landowners who have enough money to just do it when they yep. want to do it. Yeah. Um, all of it is beneficial. Yeah. As long as it's done. Responsibly. Responsibly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That, and that's. And that's all we ever advocate. Yeah. And and information. Information. You know. Um, educate yourself. That's uh, the last podcast we did. Was it the last podcast? That's a couple podcasts ago. Um, we kind of got bit by a few people that were upset with us um, for simply trying to share some information. Mm-hmm. Very frustrating. Um, but that's what we're going to do. That's what we're going to do. So, yeah, I don't care. I mean, this is our podcast. Yeah. Expect some of our opinions. But expect a lot of information that that we feel is important for people to know. And what you do with that information, that's on you. All we're going to do is provide the information. um, And, uh, you know, additionally, if there's information that we don't have, let us know. Send it to us. We're not above changing our minds about something. Hell no. Send it to us. Come on. (laughs) Let us know. I've changed my mind a bunch. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. When presented with... Uh, updated better information than I had previously. Yep. Um, so yeah, uh, I, I I think that the forest thing is something that needs a little bit more attention. I think so. I think that they are. There are some things that are starting to happen. Um, even since we did that podcast last time. Yeah. That are going in the right direction. Yeah. And well, that's good. And I think I think so. We didn't. Um, this is actually kind of funny. We need to redo the podcast. We had a podcast with the uh, uh, Mule Dare Foundation. Yes. Colleen Payne um, had a mix up and lost batteries and lost lost the podcast. We're going to redo it. But uh, I think whenever you first met with Colleen, you mm-hmm. went up to a meeting for the Mule Deer Foundation, mm-hmm. right? And they were talking about, well, we need to do this for the Mule Deer, and we need to do this for the Mule Deer, and we need to do this for the Mule Deer. Mm-hmm. And do you remember what you asked her? Yeah, I I do. Um, 
and I, I, I want to part before I even say it, before I even say that, I want to point out that she was very um, pro making sure that the effects of their work with Mueller didn't negatively affect anything else. So that I'm not a very big club guy. Yeah, I don't you know I don't like clubs. They're just not for me. Um, but I was very impressed with all of her answers that I asked her about the Mule Deer Foundation. And that one specifically, that's what I said. I said, well, what about elk? And the other things that are going to be affected by what you're wanting to do with the Mule Deer. Because Mule Deer aren't the only thing out there. Yeah. And it goes right back to what we said. It's community. Yeah. You know, private landowners, public landowners, and that's elk, kinda, deer. And that's kind of and that's kind of where I was going was... Yeah. We we've gotten to a place where we're very niche. Yep. We're focused on, you know, this is what I'm focused on. Mm-hmm. Well, let's take a minute. You know, wild horses down there in your part of the world. Yep. They don't want they don't want the wild horses to go go away. Yep. Okay. Well, I I maybe don't want the wild horses to go away either, but I do think that they need their population needs to be controlled. Mm-hmm. That they need to be managed. Mm-hmm. So think of try and get outside of your specific focus and yep. think how is this also going to affect these other things? Mm-hmm. Yep. And I mean, when we can do that, that's when we can get some stuff done. Yeah, yeah. And you, you know, to, to tie it right back into the forest, um, there's so much of that forest that's unusable, mm-hmm. um, and people want the wild horses there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a big deal. Um, they want mule deer. They're wondering why mule deer population is dropping. Um, elk populations are skyrocketing. Um, mountain lion populations, bear populations, all of these things are connected. Um, and it's a delicate thing. It's a very, very, very hard thing. It's one of the reasons that I give a lot of... leeway to the Department of Game and Fish because it's a very hard, hard thing to do to manage for all of these things. When when you look at deer that are predominantly browsers Mm -hmm. and elk that are predominantly grazers, Mm -hmm. and you say that and people say, well, I've seen deer eating on the golf course. Yeah, they graze too, but they're predominantly browsers. Elk are predominantly grazers. How do you manage uh, habitat for both, you know, yeah. and then throw in bear and mountain lion and wild horses, yeah. all of these things. And the biggest people, people, you know, now you got to manage this for hunters, mm-hmm. hikers, bird watchers, mm-hmm. Californians, Texans. It's a very, very hard yeah. thing to do. And it, and I'll say it. I've, I know I've said it on this podcast before, but I'll say it again. Um, it's a very difficult thing to do, and they're doing it off of. It's all reactive. There's very all little reactive. proactive things that you yep. can do, other than build better habitat or uh, create better habitat. Yep. Other than that, there's very little that you can do as a wildlife manager that is proactive. Yep. Most of it is reactive because the data that you're relying on is one to two years old at mm-hmm. best. Mm-hmm. And so you're just reacting using models to extrapolate what you think that this population is going to do. Yep. And so, like you said, it's, it's a very difficult thing, 
Um, but for the most part, we've done it really well. Yep. We, we did our, you know, we did the podcast on North American Wildlife Model of Conservation. It has worked remarkably well. Doesn't, oh, yeah. Doesn't mean it's the end all, be all, we're still working for it. We could totally kick this thing's ass. Yeah. We just got to start working together a little better. Absolutely. Because I mean, you look at what we've done. Like you said, virtually all wildlife species that we have and we love to hunt were almost all gone. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was no elk in New Mexico. None. Mule deer populations, just almost non-existent. Um, turkey gone. You know, all of these Big things um, were turned around and made into what we have today, which is a great, great situation. Granted, mule deer seem to be on the decline. Um, whitetail numbers seem to be rising. Elk numbers are definitely rising, especially down there in my, my part of the wood. Yeah. Um, you know, so what do you do? What do you do? Yeah. But we just got to work together and try and fit the best for everything or or where focus on specific areas. You just right. never know. Quick PSA. Um, if you go camping, if you're new to camping, if you're old to camping, a lot of people up here in the forest these days, um, given the situation, a lot of people leaving their trash around. Pick up your, pick up your trash. trash, man. Just pick up pick your up trash. Your take trash. it home with you. There is even, nobody. I'm going to go one step further. Not just campers. Yeah. If you're driving All down people. the road, don't throw your trash out the ding yeah. window. Yeah. Stuff it in your door pocket. Throw it in the floorboard of your truck. Next time you stop for gas, throw it in the trash. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. But uh, it's it's a big deal right now. Um, there's a lot of people up here in the forest because it can't go anywhere else. And and there's a lot of trash being left around. There is nobody that is paid to come and pick that shit up. You have to take it out yourself. Now, we talk about standing <laughs> together, right? Yep. I'm going to give kudos to BHA. Yep. They're doing... A promo right now, giving prizes for people getting out and hiking mm-hmm. and bringing out bags of bringing trash. Out bags of trash. Kudos to you guys. Yep. I wish we didn't have to do that. So if yep. you're the one leaving the trash, take it out. Yeah, take it out. So yeah. it's it's sad to see our our public, public lands. lands being misused like that by people who just don't give a shit. Yeah. It's it's sad. So so I, pick I up your trash. To, and if you to, see somebody leaving their trash, call tell them. them. Yeah. Pick up your trash. Yeah. I used to say, treat it like your own. But yep. I've seen some of y'all's yeah. houses. Treat it better than your own. Treat it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Treat it like you're trying to sell it for lots and lots of American dollars. There you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Thanks for joining, guys. Adios. Thanks for joining Not a Grande Outdoors podcast. Come follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. And don't forget about our website, www.notagrandeoutdoors.com. Adios. Adios.